ignition sequence start. Five. Everything. Three. Everything. Sounds. Sounds. This is Everything Sounds. Test, test. I hear my cat. I'm Craig Shank. <laughs> and I'm George Drake Jr. This is Everything Sounds. The first steam locomotive ever made was called the Puffing Devil. It was built in the UK in 1804, but it took another 26 years until the first locomotive was built on American soil. More than 200 years later, the steam train culture is still around today. Something I've heard tossed around in the radio industry is that radio people love trains because they make great sounds. And we love everything that makes a good sound. Mm -hmm. But even if you're not a radio person, you have to admit, the sounds they make are pretty cool. We went to the Monticello Railway Museum in Monticello, Illinois and rode on their last steam engine running of their 2015 season. It's an entirely volunteer-run operation, and they own about 10 miles of track, most of which used to be part of the Illinois Central Gulf Railroad, a line that goes as far north as Chicago and as far south as New Orleans. Well, the uh, locomotive uh, is 107 years old. It was built by Baldwin Locomotive Works in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Uh, We got it from a gravel company down in Alabama in the mid-60s. The engine's been totally rebuilt with an all-brand-new boiler. Uh, The tender from the frame up is all brand new. Uh, So the engine will last us quite a few years. That's Dave. He's been a member with the Monticello Railway Museum for over 40 years. Uh, I'm qualified on all the train crew positions, engineer, conductor, flagman, car attendant. And uh, I started here in October of 1972, my junior year of high school. In the summers when he was a kid, his dad used to take him downstate to the depot in Decatur to watch a streamlined passenger train called the Wabash Bluebird go by while on its way to St. Louis. He says his dad's interest and those trips to the depot got him hooked on railroading. There's just something about it. I I think the steam locomotive is the most beautiful sounding machine invented by man. And and it's uh, just the sound it makes. And to think that the whole thing is just working off boiled water makes it really, makes it special. Even though the club has updated the locomotive to burn fuel oil instead of coal, running the steam engine's still not the same as running an electric diesel engine. So the club doesn't run it every week, and definitely not year-round. Well, we only run the engine uh, once a month on one the third weekend of the month, and it's mainly just the uh, cost of operating, that buying all the lubricating oil and, uh, and the water and that for the locomotives, uh, and, and it also to save on the wear and tear. And uh, it, it's very labor-intensive compared to a diesel locomotive. And then... Uh, in the wintertime, we drain the boiler and flush it out, and that way you don't have to worry about it uh, freezing up on you in extremely cold weather. While the passenger cars were filled with people of all ages and families going on one last adventure before the winter comes, most of the people running the trains were of an older generation, which got us wondering if places like the Monticello Railway would still be around for people of our generation when it came time for us to go on adventures with our kids. And that's when we spotted Daniel. Uh, My name's Daniel Fry, and I'm the flagman today on the train. 
He grew up watching Thomas the Tank Engine, which sparked his interest in trains. And soon enough, he became a member of the Monticello Railway. And I had fun with it, and I was like, well, why don't I see if I can come out here and see if I can run the thing? <laughs> so I came out one day, and they were more than willing to let me let me on the train and show me the ropes, and eventually I've gotten certified as flagman and conductor, as far as I know. Even though he was the youngest person we saw on the team that day, he's optimistic about the future of steam culture. I think with all the different pres preservation organizations that are around here and all the, the strong subcultures that many of them have, I think people are going to do what they can to try and keep these pieces of history running, or if they can't keep them running, at least preserved in a state that we can kind of think back and remember about uh, their legacy. Daniel has given some thought about making his interest into his full-time profession. He's tossed around the idea of becoming a conductor or an engineer, maybe even working on a commercial train line, but now he's leaning towards the managerial side. He's even studying supply chain management in college. Plus, Daniel says there's one important note to make. Working with a train preservation society doesn't exactly take up a lot of your time. Because I go to college and I work a job and I still am I'm able to come out here once a week, sometimes once a month if time doesn't allow me to come out here. Just come out as much or as, just whatever time you can offer to put effort towards something that you actually care about. But things people care about come in all shapes and sizes. For instance, there are trains And then, there are trains. Uh, my name is Bill Luxton, and I have a model steam engine that I run at the Chelmsford Society of Model Engineering track. From 2011 to 2012, I spent a year in London. And I missed you. <laughs> you are ridiculous. And while I was there... I went to the Chelmsford City Miniature Railway a few times with Bill, and I was actually able to drive his locomotive, which is a two-scale replica of a Thompson B1. And this engine was built during the war, and because of the economy of materials, a lot of the parts for this engine were used from other engines. So, for example, the boilers from a different engine, the wheels from a different engine, and this was to save on making new patterns, etc. But it was a very successful engine. I really got to understand the passion behind model engineering. There's something about sitting behind a model steam engine, shoveling coal, miniature little pieces of coal with a tiny little shovel into the miniature furnace, feeling the spit of the soot and the steam in your face. It's just a pretty cool experience. It's jaw-dropping the amount of time that these guys spend on making these model trains. Actual time-wise, it's difficult to say, but it was over a period, it was over a long period of about 22 years on and off. I suppose if you told it all up, it'd be, it'd be about seven years work full-time. So if you factor in those 22 years and take into account that the B1 is his second, that he's built, and also take into account that he's working on his third currently, well, you see what I mean. And it's more than just a passive hobby. I know a lot of people like to collect things or 
do some other stuff in their free time, but this involves actual skills and knowledge. This type of model engineering requires reading blueprints and gauges, measuring, welding, mathematical skills, understanding the intricacies of volume and pressurization, the ability to use power tools, knowledge about how machines and specifically trains and steam trains work. And perhaps most importantly, it requires a knowledge and appreciation of the trains themselves. Uh, I just, I just think they're fantastic machines. The sound of them, the look of them, the smell, everything about them. The Chelmsford Society had a family day while I was there. They invited people from around the area to pay a few pounds and ride behind the trains. While two of the members, Bob and Brian, were pressurizing their boilers, I bothered them with the question of why steam? Now, I want to play the whole exchange here, partially because I think their back and forth is brilliant, but also because I really just enjoy their plummy British accents. Well, um, I don't know. You know, we must be mad, absolutely mad, the lot of us. It's the biggest aggravation going. (laughs) But everybody likes it, don't they? Even the young people today, they love the steam engines. But some of us have got these electric engines, or diesel engines, but they're electric really, electric traction, with batteries inside. They're actually really a good idea because they're much less hassle. And here comes Brian now. Have you got a, uh, a handy Come here, Brian, we're being interviewed here. Oh, are we really? And this gentleman <laughs> is asking long, me. Yes, Bob. Why steam? Why yeah, not? <laughs> Don't be silly. Well, he's got character. <laughs> That's the reason, I think, character, hasn't it, Bob? Yes. yes. It has, and it yes. means much more skill. You, you know, you drive one of these um, battery electrics or, or, or diesel locos. Well, like you drive your car. There's nothing to it. You don't have to steer it even. With a steam engine, you've got to keep the pressure up and the water level. Yeah. The fire must be nice and level and the right depth. And there's a lot of skill in keeping a steam engine going I continuously. I where I was going wrong. <laughs> yes, you've wanted about that for years, haven't you, Bob? <laughs> you ready to come on now? Cut. <laughs> <laughs> no, we haven't got any pressure yet, right? Oh, terrible. Um, <laughs> well, I was just going to say, have you got a piece of Model steam train engineering is a different beast than the full-size counterparts like what you'd see at Monticello Railway Museum. But unlike Daniel from the MRM, Bill doesn't think the model steam engineering culture has a fighting chance. I'd like it to, but I don't think it will, to be honest, because simply because engineering isn't taught as a subject anymore. Um, what they actually teach in schools now is very wishy-washy. It's a little bit of this, a little bit of that, a little bit of wood, a little bit of plastic, a little bit of metal, but nothing to the extent that we used to do, where we used to do engineering courses. And uh, a lot of the engineering is now all computer-controlled, computer technology. Um, And the fact that kids nowadays haven't got the, uh, well, they haven't got the ability, I think, to stick at something for years that's going to take years to build i think they want to do something that's going to be instant like pressing a button something happens so to be honest i don't think it will but he thinks i should be a part of its future and george i think you should be interested in steam because in britain we have the fastest engine or steam engine with the speed record which was called the mallard 
And as we know, a male mallard is called a drake. So I think you should be a fan. <laughs> On our website, we have links to find out more about the Monticello Railway Museum and the Chelmsford Society of Model Engineers. We also have a video from the Chelmsford City Miniature Railway in case you're wondering what riding behind a small steam engine looks like. It's all at everythingsounds.org. FYI, it's adorable. (laughs) And also on our website, you can find links to our social media pages, interact with us, share story ideas, and see other stories about sound that we find interesting, as well as the occasional bad joke from George. Or you. Yeah, mostly me. And a special thanks to Claire Luxton and Ruth Reveal for their help while making this episode. Until next time, I'm Craig Shank. And I'm George Drake Jr. Thanks for listening to Everything Sounds. <laughs> <laughs>